Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 179 with Derek LaMontagne. This is a continuation of a conversation that we had, a bonus episode that released of me moderating a panel at Recent Times Higher Education event, uh, focusing on graduate student well-being. So this focuses in on a particular issue happening at University of Florida that is an Indicative of kind of this ongoing trend nationwide of graduate students uh, advocating for their needs. Uh, this one focusing in particular on housing. So I uh, really appreciate the work that Derek is doing on this issue and his willingness to come on to talk about it. There are ways to connect and help out their efforts in the description for this episode. So appreciate folks lending their support there. And you may notice that there have been some adjustments and changes as the podcast has transitioned to its new home in the Enrollify podcast network. We appreciate your understanding as we kind of manage everything. You will find all the episodes starting to be released uh, on the Enrollify website. Obviously, you can still listen to it in all your favorite podcast players, and we'll start to have some video clips and stuff coming out soon as well, as well as just some greater support and other improvements for the show as time goes on. So really excited for the future, and you can still look forward to new episodes coming out consistently here in the feed. So with that, this is bonus episode number 179 with Derek LaMontagne. A little while ago, I moderated a session centering more generally on graduate student well-being, uh, the issues that they face at institutions. And we've only continued to see nationwide here in the United States uh, more and more strikes by graduate students and just them asking for kind of basic needs and respect. And I felt as though it'd be a really great opportunity to kind of continue the conversation, have somebody who's working kind of on the front lines of this issue from their institution. So as a graduate student, so I'm really glad to have that perspective in this conversation today. But uh, we'll still start as we always do. Uh, Derek, if you want to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional background and how you get to be where you are today. Sure. Thank you for having me, Dustin. Uh, my name is Derek LaMontagne. I am a graduate student in chemistry at the University of Florida. Uh, I am also the president of a group called Mayor's Council, which represents the students living in graduate and family housing at the University of Florida. And yeah, I have noticed uh, a lot of problems with housing in our area, but also other issues affecting graduate students. But I've taken the lead because what our university here is trying to do, as many others have done in the past is uh, remove some graduate housing, which is near and dear to a lot of people who do live here and also affects future graduate students. So I'm hoping to change that. And we're working hard to to protect this graduate housing, which is really a wonderful place to live. They're, they're really nice, spacious apartments. And they're what, what families want. They're open space, they're on campus, and they're affordable. And that's what's important, uh, is having an affordable place for students because we don't make very much money as graduate students, as I'm sure you're aware. But in general, this this one little perk we have is is uh, on the verge of going away. And we're really trying to to get people to listen, um, not just, you know, at other universities and stuff, but really to have a, a voice in uh, in campus decisions. So that's that's the goal. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, I've worked with graduate students for years and uh, a few of my prior positions. And, you know, while it was uh, in the online space, just knowing, you know, a lot of times these are adult learners who are navigating work and life and family and school all at the same time. So I feel like they honestly have enough to worry about versus, you know, stuff like this and what's happening. And I think some people have seen what's happening at Temple uh, University right now is the recording of this episode. So, you know, it really is unfortunate because I think, you know, institutions have seen for the past several years graduate students as, you know, a 
sort of ripe ground for the growth of their university, but really kind of taking it for granted. And certainly the conversation that I had, uh, Tiffany Miller uh, introduced us, you know, for the panel that I had moderated, you know, there's just a, a number of issues and, and policies that I think are just long overdue for uh, remedying and just a uh, yeah, fundamental sort of like respect. And like you said, sort of a seat at the table, having a voice be heard and uh, having institutional leadership to kind of take action on, you know, making sure that they can maintain healthy uh, environments for these graduate students, which they've often, often you know, uh, gone to great lengths to recruit because of, you know, potential uh, shortfalls or just the kind of increased competitiveness for uh, undergraduate students. So, you know, it's an interesting sort of, uh, context that we find ourselves in. But if you want to go in a little bit more detail, uh, kind of the background of grad ha- uh, housing at University of Florida and sort of the, this current issue, because I, I think you gave a good summary, but if you want to kind of dig in uh, to some of the details here so we can kind of get more of the context. In general, we have five villages uh, for on-campus graduate student and family housing. Those have been around for at least 50 years, most of them. Um, and the university is somewhat arguing that, oh, they're They've reached the end of their lifespan, but really, um, that's not the case. I still live in them, and and everyone else who has uh, said they they are fine if we just make the investment. So five of these villages, um, they they hold hold uh, well over a thousand people. Uh, my village holds about three hundred forty eight. It's called McGuire Village in UVS. It's been around for over fifty years. But besides just being on campus, um, it's affordable. It's safe. And uh, there's a lot of amenities. There's playgrounds for kids uh, uh, when there's families. We have, you know, pool, all these wonderful things. And there's a lot of large trees. There's uh, historic uh, things here that, that really make it a community. And what's most important, though, is that the students who live here, the grad students who actually choose to live in on-campus housing at, at UF, they're over 70% international students. And that's an important statistic because really it's what attracts uh, those students to UF. It's one of the only reasons some of them maybe can attend because uh, I've heard at other universities that uh, if this graduate housing is not available, that they either have to delay their their start date or they just have to choose somewhere else because, you know, if you're coming from far away, and this isn't just international, but I know people from like who came from California or Oregon or somewhere who had to come here, they don't know anything about the local um, local places to live. They don't really know anything about safety and for sure just to have an option available attracts uh, those students and really allows them to pursue their degree and really does help the university. So I'm hoping that other universities see this as well as ours, that if you have uh, a safe space that's on campus, it, it really allows the graduate students to live where they work and where they teach, of course, we're teaching all the undergrads uh, in a lot of the classes. And without that option, uh, to just say basically, as they're, we're being told now that, oh, you guys can just find uh, off-campus housing as anyone else does in these high rises that aren't really family friendly, that are literally going to raise our rent by 50%, um, so well over a thousand, whereas now on campus, we're somewhere around the $700 range, uh, which is which is very reasonable. Um, but it's still, it's, it's a deeply uh, flawed decision in, in our opinion, um, that UF would do this because it's killing the golden goose. Like we're, we're going to have less talented or, or you know, uh, we're not going to attract the same kind of talent to UF and, and this, these places are wonderful by themselves. As I mentioned earlier, they're, they're, um, a community and they allow these different cultures and different religions and people of different backgrounds to really 
to live together um, safely and and in harmony in a way that I don't want to sound too uh, too uh, idealistic here, but like it is like a little model UN we have going where it's you know people from every different country, even countries that are literally at war today, can live side by side as neighbors and come to community gatherings and talk about things. That I really think these spaces need to be amplified, not not taken away, especially for something just because they don't want to pay a little bit of money to like you know fix a roof here or there, which which uh, is is very sad and and, and I think. Um, in the heart of what our university wants, like we talk about having core values. It's actually been promoted recently at our university. I'm sure other places have similar things that they say our university stands for, including, you know, inclusion, community, uh, you know, excellence, things like that. And basically um, all of those things are being harmed by this decision. We are losing a community. We're losing uh, our stewardship of the environment. That's one of them by just clearing 27 acres of land to get rid of this community here. That's going to remove basically 40% of the graduate housing, uh, equaling 348 apartments. So I, I'm trying to find examples uh, elsewhere of, of that number of, of uh, housing uh, units being lost in one fell swoop. And it's, it's 44 buildings all at once later this year is the plan and they've been keeping them uh, artificially unoccupied uh, as people have started to move out for the last couple of years. So they're not totally full now. And that's another problem too, because even if you had to close them, there's no reason why you couldn't keep people in them now. But uh, I've also made the point that right now there's, there's a few hundred units empty that are in this village now because they're anticipating closing them. And those few hundred units could have housed like hurricane victims. In our state here, we've had, there's many people living in hotels. And I was just thinking this is a state resource. Why can't we do that? And actually, as a little aside, I know I'm going a little too far ahead. You know, during the COVID times, the undergrad dorms, they actually quarantined some of those people in our village as this, you know, resource that was sort of uh, on the outskirts of campus, but still on campus that let people live um, in this, you know, not cramped dormitories in the high rises, but actually have them spread out. And this resource really saved lives. So I, I don't want to over exaggerate that, but but our um, community and, and these, these buildings are really worth it. Again, they're called McGuire Village and UVS. And I, I really think if anyone has ever seen them or been been here, uh, it's really a wonderful place, um, as you know, a lot of UF campuses, but it's just going to be a hole in the ground uh, in just a few months if, if we can't change anything. You've almost certainly heard of Slate, one of the most powerful admission CRMs on the market. And you may have also heard of HubSpot, a dynamic and robust marketing CRM that is second to none when it comes to marketing and full funnel reporting. But have you heard of HubSlate? HubSlate is a two-way data sync between HubSpot and Slate that ensures consistency of data and information for prospective, current, and former students. Gone are the days of list uploads, checking multiple platforms for the most up-to-date information, or having to pull multiple reports in order to get a sense of your entire enrollment funnel. With HubSlate, you'll be able to work smarter, more efficiently, and without all of the stress that comes with managing contact records. It's 2023. It's about time that you let your systems work for you. If you want to learn more about HubSlate or see a demo, visit enrollify.org slash HubSlate. That's enrollify.org slash HubSlate, and you'll instantly qualify for 20% off the onboarding fee. Now, on to the show. Well, I appreciate you sharing, obviously, your, your passion, but also kind of like getting our arms around 
you know, what is going to be lost, both sort of just objectively, the kind of the numbers and all that, but also sort of that, honestly, the emotional piece. And like you said, some of the things that institutions kind of aspire towards, uh, you know, would be impacted as well as, you know, other kind of tangible pieces around, like you said, these are the, uh, these graduate students are helping to teach classes. They're, you know, working on campus in various capacities. And, you know, if they don't have affordable, accessible, uh, reliable housing, then, you know, there's going to be a huge uh, impact to their enrollment. So like, there's kind of a confluence of things too, from my perspective, where it's like, okay, like, you know, obviously worst the worst case scenario like if they decide to tear it down then i'm like okay then you've got to pay these graduate students more because like like you said it's like they're not going to study here if they can't afford to live somewhere and you know if hopefully you know these buildings remain standing then it's like okay then you maintain this you know resource of like you said just you know housing capacity you know they're still getting the tuition revenue and all the money you know th- these are students who are paying to go to this institution and then staff members who are working so it's i i'm curious i guess how much intentionality they may, they may have put into how they would address you know a shortfall of you know any number of students who were living there who would no longer be enrolled if they didn't have that uh, that housing available to them. So that's definitely what I wanted to kind of explore next is kind of that that impact of the removal of this housing. Like, what would that be? And I think you've, you've detailed a, a good uh, portion of that, but I'm not sure if there's anything else on your mind in terms of um, the impact. I mean, and, uh, clearly, I mean, for what you're saying, there's already an impact because they're sort of undermining kind of the, uh, you know, true success of like having this community at full capacity and, you know, the uh, opportunity to have more graduate students be studying there because they have like a, you know, affordable place to live. But yeah, anything else to add, anything else coming to mind in terms of the impact that the removal of this housing would have? Yes, there, there is immediate impact. And then there will be a, a long-term impact, of course. So the immediate impact is we're actually not helping students who want to move in today. Our wait list is at last check over 800 people to live in on-campus graduate housing. That's graduate students. And we have, uh, I think over last check, uh, 10 or 15,000 grad students. Um, So there's a lot of grad students at UF. We have the most grad students at any university in Florida, uh, I believe. And it's a big university, of course, so there's a lot of demand. So in Gainesville in general, which is the city where we are in Florida, uh, we have a, a large undergrad demand of, of housing, plus you know everyone else who, who lives in the city. So, so the housing rates have really um, gone up uh, exponentially in the last you know few years, but here those 800 people are being negatively affected now because they want to move in. As I mentioned earlier, we have a couple hundred of these units are empty now. They could move many of them in today and, and just say like we're not you know going to tear down the ones that are bad. And, and my point I had alluded to earlier was that most of these are fine. Uh, there are 44 buildings here. They maybe found a few you know problems in, in one or two of them, which is normal. Uh, for you know, Florida, we've had like some of our most expensive buildings on campus and stadiums and stuff. You know, they regularly go through millions, if not tens of millions, of dollars of renovation just to maintain. They get uh, leaks just like everywhere else. But we're doing actually pretty well considering these are, you know, these were built sturdy when they were built. But those 800 students are going to be negatively affected. And people like me, we're being basically told we have to. Uh, move or we're going to be evicted uh, this year, even if we only have like a year left, like, or some people I know are like in the process of writing their dissertation, they're basically being told you have to move this semester. And then, you know, 
even they say just have a few months left can i stay and they're like no no we're you know keeping you out so these people now on campus these students are feeling this this um animosity from from the university not really accommodating us although they say well we're going to talk to you or work with you but when we say okay the best way to do that is just delay the the closure or you know let's come to the table because that never happened actually there one of the the reasons this decision took place uh isn't because it was ever really a good idea or ever because it was in the the sunshine it's because it was sort of uh nestled into this larger bill that uh that the university by state law had to pass every five years. It's called a campus master plan. And I'm sure many universities have this uh, in general, but uh, what ours required back in 2020, this was decided. It, it basically had some some firm come in and sort of say, we're gonna make campus more walkable and you know maybe uh, improve some rec fields and parking and stuff. And all those are you know good in general, but they completely ignored graduate students and basically saw our housing area on the map and just said, that's like, that's uh, not an asset. That's like a liability because we could put rec fields or parking there or something like that. That's that's literally what they're planning to put here is a practice soccer field and a, just a parking lot. They've even just said, we don't even really need them. We just don't want to just keep these around because they're not any good or in terms of use to the university. But that obviously is not true because we provide the, the teaching resources uh, and, and the you know, the crux of the research at the university, uh, getting grants and, and uh, you know, the best uh, the best output on papers and everything, uh, you know, we help the university run. So we obviously serve a, a purpose that was sort of ignored in that we need this resource. And so we were the last domino to fall on this campus master plan that back in 2020, again, they're like, okay, we're going to move this field there and that field taking a parking lot, parking lot there. And then just there was never a replacement for us. It was just use our space, didn't put us somewhere else. They're not building new graduate housing anywhere. That's still not in the plan, like three years later. And we've been asking like, look, if you're saying these buildings aren't, you know, uh, modern enough or whatever, although we love living in them, again, they're beautiful brick and lots of trees around here. It's the, I prefer the older style uh, and just, you know, we're, we're not asking for fancy, you know, gold sinks and everything. We just need standard things like, you know, internet, running water, and, you know, it's, we're close to campus. It's, it couldn't ask for more. Um, but, yeah, this this master plan just really threw us under the bus because um, there's no plan for replacement. At the moment, they're still scrambling with just, like, a couple months left before they actually close it, and they're trying to say maybe we could, you know, we could uh, acquire some off-campus place and just call it grad housing or something, which is not at all what we want, and we've been adamantly opposed to this, me and the other organizations, but we were never given a seat on the table, at the table, and really this, even the people who ultimately decided this, um, again, I have, I have no problem with the, the people who decided it, because they were just kind of given bad information or never really given an opportunity to look at the issue by itself. So our graduate housing Part of this other plan, you can think of it like a, a bill passed in Congress. Oh, you got to pass the defense budget or whatever, like you have to pass or a spending bill that like this is one of those little things that was just deep in there in the like hundreds of pages in that just said, we're going to rezone this place. And that decision we've been trying to bring to light and say, let's let's talk about this. It was never given its its time in the sun, essentially. And we're still asking, I'm strongly asking it to be revisited. Uh, and just so you know, we have had some success so far. Um, the student government, which is not just grad students, it's undergrads, has passed a resolution, which they actually passed two years ago, saying 
we all 50 plus thousand students, undergrads and grad students are opposed to this decision. It passed unanimously in our, so in our student government, a UF uh, administrators just kind of ignored that. Um, you could say, uh, well, you know, maybe it was like COVID times or whatever. I don't know. In 2020, 2021, that uh, they, had their reasons. There's also been a lot of uh, things going on at UF, which I, I don't need to to uh, tell you about, but a lot of other questions about, you know, free speech um, and, you know, teacher tenure and, and other kind of, uh, we have a new president now at our university. And there's lots of things that people had on the front of their mind. And we've just been waiting our turn. I'm still, I'm trying to get it uh, before as many people as I can. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity today to, to speak to anyone. And, and definitely if we can get some some public uh, pressure um, and even some outrage, you know, that, uh, you know, you, that UF might change its, its decision because they have in the past, there is a way to amend this master plan. It's not set in stone. It's just like a guideline. And obviously until these are torn down um, that we can still fight to save them. But even if they argue and say, we have to tear them down, we can easily invest more in and get more housing. For instance, the UF is building a new undergrad dorm that is going to cost over $200 million. And they aren't going to pay the like, I think they estimate something like 20 to 30 million to fix all 44 of our buildings to their highest standard that they want, which again, I don't think it's anywhere near that amount. I think just a couple million would fix all of these to whatever standard they, they want. But but they're spending 200 million on that and not willing to spend like less than 10% on us as grad students. And it's just really the juxtaposition of like priorities is, is really hard to take. Um, but I think you, you see the picture and you see that um, what is the purpose, I guess, of the university? What, what does the leadership want? They want undergrads to be happy as I do too. I don't want them to not be happy, but, but they agree that like, you know, we got to balance it, you know, equally um, that grad students have what they need to, to do a good job and for um, just really the whole community to, to, um, to thrive here at the university. Yeah, it is. It is hard to me to understand that idea where it seems as though they believe that, you know, something must come at the cost of something else. Like it's a very limited pie. It's like, it's an institution with, you know, it's a public institution with a lot of resources and, you know, state level support and everything that like, there's not another way, you know, like it seems as like, well, this is our only option or they're, they're just like, you know, for me, kind of thinking, you know, uh, in kind of a cheesy way, where it's just like, I don't think you're using your imagination. Like, I don't think you're being kind of creative here. I think there's very much other solutions. And like, and I'm sure people might kind of like, you know, uh, maybe kind of like chastise me for this, but like, is truly like a parking lot and a, you know, practice soccer field as important as like, you know, a substantial resource of affordable housing for graduates. Like, it doesn't even seem like it's an equal thing. Like, you could understand if it's like, oh, we're replacing that with like the same thing. Like, it's just like a one for one, like we're updating it. And it's just going to make more sense to, you know, kind of kind of go right down to the foundation and, and start over again. Appreciate kind of, again, just sort of the, you know, really firsthand look and the the context and kind of understanding sort of how this has all come to be. And I think, you know, like I said, this is a nationwide trend, I think, that's happening, kind of a movement that seems as though it's been kind of this, you know, quiet, simmering thing that is really starting to kind of boil over. And again, it's long overdue for graduate students, I think, to get the, you know, the respect and the dignity that they deserve and the support from their institution. So, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to this that have been seeing those headlines and everything. So just kind of speaking generally, uh, what do you think other higher ed leaders 
should be taking away from this issue. Because like you said, there's just a lot of sort of dynamics around, you know, how things were communicated, the input and feedback that they're getting from students and whether they're actually like, you know, taking heed of that and taking action on it and all those sort of things. So just like advice that you would give generally to other higher ed leaders who are, who are thinking about kind of, um, you know, dealing with an issue like this. Sure. I, I would say just, of course, uh, the people who are affected, the stakeholders need to have a, a seat at the table. Um, maybe it's intentional or maybe it's just through a long um, a long process here of various uh, entities because we're pretty big at this university and that makes it more difficult. But we have many different sort of sub-representations of, of even graduate students. So for instance, we have a union. Uh, we also have a graduate student council. We also have my entity, which represents just the students living in graduate students. And of course, like our law school has a grad student group. Our veterinary school has a you know, grad, uh, grad student group and every, you know, department has its own. And then there's even, you know, cultural ones. So there's, there's a lot of, um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of representation that's sort of uh, dispersed and, and spread thin that uh, makes it difficult to have like one person like, you know, speak for all oh, who wants, who wants to uh, change this. But in this case, they really didn't even try and, and ask anybody of any of those clubs. Um, and, and transparency always helps, of course. Um, but but also, I'd say use your experts, use the people who know this, uh, because I've talked to not just like the students, uh, grad students, but also like professors who have commented on on this. Uh, you know, they actually study here at this university. We have experts in like affordable housing. We have experts in um, you know green buildings. We have experts in um, you know planning and, and so forth. Um, but they aren't really being listened to. And this is not just for this issue, but really just for anything at all. Um, we've had some issues with uh, landscaping here and stuff where they just sort of arbitrarily cut down historic trees and and the forestry department's like, what, what the heck's going on? Like, why did you guys do this? We, we had our, our school accidentally cut down a tree that that went into space and was our like moon tree, but the grounds crew just like, oh, just it's in the way kind of thing. And that was, that was very depressing that this communication just isn't existing on an institutional level. So the transparency, if we just had this opportunity, which um, for this case, there was supposed to be this, like originally there was supposed to be like a 90 day comment window and there was supposed to be chance for public comment. Um, but basically during 2020, when our school shut down, they canceled all of that and, and they never have made up for it at all, uh, which is very upsetting. You know, they put everything on Zoom and not only that, but then the, the one Zoom meeting where they actually said, OK, this is kind of our public hearing. They didn't let anyone else talk. It was just the presenter from UF. So that was, that was uh, upsetting. But your question was about greater. Uh, what can other universities do? Well, some universities have actually taken some action and. Um, I would just say that it, it has to do with not just focusing on undergrads. So part of it is actually uh, this this calling that I think is is kind of wrong or misguided that universities are focusing and are specifically on the undergraduate ranking that comes out by U.S. News and World Report that that is promoted like super widely here. And it's really cringeworthy, honestly, that we're saying, oh, we're now a top five public university. That's UF. Uh, since my time here, he has jumped up a few spots in this ranking if this matters to you. But of course, that ranking that they so often cite and that they are putting all their resources in, including building the new undergrad dorms and putting a new undergrad, you know, rec space in our spot is to help that ranking. Literally, my home, our grad affordable housing is seen as a liability to 
improving the ranking, which is just absurd, but it literally is in the, the numbers on how uh, they calculate it, which is flawed. So the US News and World Report is deeply flawed. And I'm hoping more universities pull out of it. And some have, you might've heard this and not just for that reason alone, but other places like uh, I think just last year, uh, Yale Law School pulled out of the news, uh, US News and World Report ranking because they basically don't value, you know, social justice issues, you know, just like making money or whatever their complaint was about that. And, you know, Harvard Prince, uh, and Princeton has, have also commented their presidents in the past uh, have said this is just a, a wacky obsession. We, and those are like, you know, the top of the list. So if they're saying we should not focus on this, then schools like ours who are, you know, looking to to be seen worldwide and attract that needs to need to remember what is important, what does actually make us have the better reputation worldwide. And that is having things that attract people here. Um, and a lot of those people are the grad students, but also the idea of like respect. If if this you know gets out, I really also hope that those other universities do have a say in how UF is viewed. If you guys at other universities view us and just say like, oh, well, they're, they're building a new AI institute or like they built a new stadium, like whatever, that's, let's put them at the highest ranking instead of just saying, hey, they're they're really not being transparent. They're treating their their grad students bad. They are literally, uh, you know, doing stuff against free speech and other things that uh, that are harming, you know, real people and and causing this misery and and not paying us well either. Like I hope those kind of get through. And um, you know, I guess it, it was we had a visitor from uh, NYU, a professor named uh, Andrew Ross, who came last uh, year or two ago, and and I asked him. I said, you, you study like housing. And what can I do to save my housing? And he said, basically, for, you know, public uh, institutions, you have to shame them. You have to shame them into doing the right thing. And I, I guess I've been trying to do that uh, ever since. So, um, yeah, that's getting the information out there is, is the first step. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, humorous, I guess, just thinking like kind of that bluntly, but it's like, I mean, that kind of is like the the thing where it's like shining a light on when, you know, they're, they're not doing the things that they're supposed to, or they're doing them just as kind of like to check off a box or something where there, you know, there are these policies and procedures around, you know, um, any, any public institution and how they should be really being mindful of the community and the stakeholders, you know, whether that is, you know, a local government or a, you know, University of Florida, you know, like they need to be uh, just really cognizant of almost like and like deferential or sort of humble, you know, to the sense of like, you know, we are here to serve our students. Like we want to support them to have, you know, meaningful and uh, like meaningful experiences and positive outcomes and all that. And yeah, it's pretty transparent when you're seeing them taking actions that are very, you know, self-serving of themselves and aspiring towards, you know, I agree these kind of faulty rankings that really don't measure things that are uh, creating those positive experiences for um, for students, like it is biased towards uh, undergrads for the most part, and the things that it does measure aren't really the, the cornerstones, I think, of a uh, really positive student experience. So uh, I think, you know, obviously you're, you're doing the work to try to, you know, spread this message and all that. So if folks are listening uh, and they want to help out somehow, uh, what are ways that they could do that? Well, anyone can, of course, uh, sign our petition. Uh, I do have a website, saveufgradhousing.com. Um, but also really just to help, help not focus so much yeah, on that, that ranking push. That, that is big, too. Um, so whenever you hear 
you know, someone say like, oh, we're, we're, you know, improving in that ranking and say like, well, what about like the sustainability ranking list? Like how come we're, we're, we're like 200 something on that or something or, or these other, you know, lists on social justice and, and things like that, you know, that there's not one ranking list. So to really push back on that and never really accept that as, as truth, or at least as something to be strived for, but also, yeah, to, to we can do other things too, of course. Um, honestly, I, I'm trying to find a way to reset how students kind of get representation too. So to really just have these bodies at universities that are um, representative of, of what they're supposed to do. And for instance, too, like in our city and county, we the way it's set up, we're basically, um, uh, we have no say. Uh, the city and county in, in Gainesville, at least, they, they don't have any say on what happens at UF. And I think many states have similar policies such that students and not just grad students are basically like wards of the state, I believe it was called at one point. Like you you are um, not a true citizen because your vote, you don't get to vote for people who re- who like directly impact you. As you know, like our university is, is run by boards that are appointed by like other elected people. And if I try to complain to my city and county that they um, don't actually have any power. So what's the point of my voting? I was like, well, then democracy is failing, essentially, students on campus, and especially grad students. So so really, we have to take universities as little government entities and, and have that transparency we would demand of our cities and counties and states and not just say, oh, well, they're doing something. So these people who live there are literally like, you know, at the mercy of, of uh, these unelected people, including in our case, the, the housing department, basically, who puts these uh, arbitrary standards on us. And we say like, how do we change them? They're like, you can't. And that just doesn't sit well with me. So to demand that, that, uh, all students, um, get a say in, in, in the decisions happening to them, especially if they live on campus, this is kind of not known that this is a problem. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's different everywhere. Every state's different. I know when I was an undergrad, I was not allowed to vote in local elections. I was in a school in Virginia. Um, but, but here they allow students to vote in local elections, but then the locals are mad because that changes the dynamics here, but then also they don't have power at what happens at UF. So it's really all these questions about what does it mean to kind of, uh, rule a university? Who's really in charge? Is it the people of the state of Florida? Is it that you know, whoever votes anywhere out throughout our state, even someone down in Miami or something, or uh, all the way up in Tallahassee, if if they vote for you know things happening on the state level, like the governor or something, is that really the only way that that uh, I can have any say in what happens in my backyard, which is campus, is my vote for governor or something like, and that's affected by everyone else. So everyone else is kind of ruling over us. But uh, that was kind of a long way of saying that. There's a lot that needs to change, but representation, uh, transparency, and just caring about our community and and the people who are grad students. Uh, I, I'd say please, you know, thank a grad student. I guess if you uh, are an undergrad or or know someone who is um, struggling in that profession. But um, but yeah, the housing we should we should preserve it. We should we should respect these places uh, more, and we should honor them. And I know also at like my, my undergrad place, like they, they knocked down one dorm like last year that was a, it wasn't a grad student dorm, but, and it was, it was sad. And they actually had like an alumni event. They invited everyone there to say like, you know, say their farewells basically to one building. And here we're about to lose 44 buildings with no fanfare at all. And these have represented housing for grad students for over 50 years. And with 500 people or more living in them for 50 years, that's 
25,000 years of history that is like going to be lost as you know as these people's homes and just the the impact that's going to have not just on our university but really on society too as as these people won't be able to uh, in the future, you know, have the same impact. We've had people who've lived here, who've gone on to, you know, not just start businesses, but also like, you know, help uh, solve the climate crisis and, and compete for like the Carbon X Prize and all these other things that people who've lived here in this village account for their grad housing and the stability that provides and the just peace of mind that provides as the start of their career and the success that they have later. So we won't know all the impacts in the future uh, until down the road when, Things are just going to be worse if uh, if society misses out on, on this chance to come together and provide a, a better place uh, for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you uh, sharing all that you did and for doing this work. And I wish you, you and your you know colleagues uh, the best of luck in uh, saving this housing and obviously have ways to uh, help out that you've uh, shared in the show notes and everything. But uh, again, I think this is just indicative of certainly a larger trend in higher ed right now. And I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk about this uh, sort of example of it uh, with you here today. Well, thank you so much for the chance. And I really, I think we can succeed or at least get something better than what the plan is now. So thank you for the time. And, and, and I guess we'll see. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.